0: Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We're in studio today and have a terrific program ahead for you. We are doing Leadership Lessons from Rework. This will be part two of our podcast, and I hope you had a chance to join us last time where we talked about some great principles to help all of us. It is a book that Chris had an opportunity to digest over the recent holidays and really found some fascinating and some practical things that we want to bring to you to help you be the main man or woman of God, how to put feet to the dreams and the talents and the gifts that God has given you. So, Chris, why should our audience do something more than just listen to this, but put feet to the ground and a plan in place and action to those things that God has gifted them to do?
1: Because we need to redefine leader. Don't put leader in a category that is for this elite few. Every single one of us is a leader in the respect that we have the first and foremost responsibility to lead ourselves. Not only that, we play a leadership role in our families. We play a leadership role in our circle of friends. There's different leadership roles that we play in the workplace and that all of us, according to our strengths and according to our skill sets, have the opportunity to be a leader. Leader is essentially just means I have influence. And so it's just how are you going to leverage your influence? And then also, this is a category that, yes, it fits into leadership, but it's also just a life category. These are just principles that will help you be better in every category of life.
0: This is something for the perfectionist that is going to maybe drive them crazy. So if you consider yourself a perfectionist, I would encourage you very highly to stick with us because...
1: because Karen is a perfectionist and some of the things I was saying were driving her crazy.
0: Now there's some truth to that. There's that part of me that wants to get it all right. And really I think the bottom line of this book Rework is stop waiting and do something. And so we talked about some very practical ways in our first podcast of what that looks like and how to begin moving on some things. And we want to pick up with that. The next principle is this. Start with the epicenter. Now obviously give Give them some context of what that really means in terms of them making a step forward, an action plan. What does it mean to start with the epicenter?
1: Well, when you think about the epicenter, the center of everything that is important to what you're going to be starting. Let's just take the example. If I'm in sales and I have a hot dog stand, what's the epicenter of my hot dog business? The hot Hot dog. dog. (laughs) Right. So I've got to make sure that if nothing else, the hot dog is a really good hot dog. Yes, I need to complement it with a great bun. And yes, I need to complement it with the different sides. But I cannot have a good hot dog business without a great hot dog.
0: I love your illustration since I don't even like hot dogs. I don't know where you pulled that from, (laughs) but let's just go with it for the moment. As I think about that, the first podcast, we were saying, do something, do something, don't just wait. Here's the balance to that. It's not do everything. It's what is that essential when you boil it all down to maybe it's a ministry, maybe it's something with your family, maybe it is a new business, whatever it might be. If you start with the epicenter, you start with what is absolutely essential, then you know that you are going to focus your time, your energy on what really matters. And that helps you to focus and to be excellent at that thing that is going to make the difference. Well,
1: you have to ask yourself this question. What part of the equation can't be removed? In the hot dog stand illustration, we cannot remove the necessity that a hot dog stand has to have a great hot dog. What part can't be removed? And once I know what can't be removed, I've identified my priority. And then once I've identified that priority, I can focus all of my energy on making it the best that it can be. So if we go to our context of church, what can't be removed at High Point Church? We cannot remove the Sunday morning worship experience. Now, a lot of people might debate that. A lot of people might argue that it's all about Jesus. Well, of course, yes. But what is the catalyst for everything that we do is the Sunday morning worship experience. And that becomes a catalyst to the discipleship process. It becomes a catalyst to local and global missions, to making disciples. There are people who have tried to have church, more of a home church, more of a cell church without a Sunday morning experience. And I would argue that There's not very many successful models. In our world, that's another illustration. What part of the equation can't be removed? We cannot remove the necessity of gathering together on a Sunday morning to worship God through music, through the word of God, through baptism stories, through communion. That is a non-negotiable
0: early in the life of the church would be an example of this we had to start with the epicenter we had to know that that sunday morning whether it be from the worship to the teaching to the presentation of the gospel through the baptisms we wanted to get those things solidified excellent in place and we had to focus our time and energy there and we would have all of the time people coming up with ideas of let's do this activity and let's get this group together and as time has gone on There's the opportunity for those things to be added. But when you're starting something, you have to determine what is the absolute epicenter, the non-negotiable, and start there.
1: Because if we don't, here's what happens. A lot of people will do a lot of analysis. Then they have paralysis by analysis, right? They get paralyzed by analyzing everything instead of analyzing the epicenter analyzing the most important thing and once you do that that's the starting point and then all the other details fill in around that starting point.
0: So once you've determined you've defined the epicenter that leads us to another principle and the principle is stated this way making the call is making progress. Now This is, again, something that you absolutely resonate with. So explain and elaborate a little bit how someone would apply this principle to their own situation.
1: This is all about being decisive. Do not be afraid of making the wrong decision, and therefore that prevents you from making a decision. What we have to do with this a lot of times is analyze our terminology. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of decisions just with the way that we phrase certain things. Instead of saying, let's think about it, let's replace that and say, let's decide on it. How many times now, (laughs) let's make fun of Christians for a moment. How many times do Christians say, let's pray about it? And they're not praying. I wish they were. They're delaying. So what we have to do at times is a lot of times in the business world, people say, well, you know, I need some more time to think about it. Let's actually go evaluate what you're doing with that time. How much are you really thinking about it? Or are you simply not comfortable with the decision and you're delaying the decision? What we've gotta do is we've gotta commit to making decisions. That's why it's so important in meetings, frequently the person leading the meeting or you put someone else in charge of this and you delegate it, you record in that meeting, decisions made did we make a decision? Is that a decision made? Is that final? And then we record action points. Okay. Because we made that decision. Here are the action points that follow that decision that will enable us to turn this idea into a reality, enable us to implement this strategy. So don't wait on the perfect solution. When we wait on the perfect solution, we just wait. Because there's no such thing as a perfect solution. You decide and you move forward. You be decisive.
0: When we talk about this, the certainty quotient, and I think really what that – just for backstory, that's really at what point in making a decision are you comfortable? You have to have 51% sense of things going right before you'll make a decision, or does it have to be a 90% chance that everything's going to turn out right? And I think really the motivation here is let's keep that certainty quotient within a reasonable range and not just delay for the sake of delay.
1: Another way to think about that is to ask this question, what can we easily, in the keyword here, what can we easily do right now that's good enough? We can easily do this right now. It's good enough. It's not perfect. I don't have to live with this decision forever. If I make a mistake, I can correct it later or along the way. So there are a category of decisions that are good enough decisions. There's another category of decisions that you have to get right. You cannot afford to make a mistake. We just kind of have to put a filter over our decision making and say, is this one of those decisions that has to be made and it has to be made correctly the first time? Or is this a decision that we can learn along the way? And if we need to make some adjustments along the way, we can. Also, if you take too long to make a decision. You lose all the energy in your team. It just completely zaps the morale of your team. The longer it takes to develop, the less likely it is to launch. So you make the call, you make progress, and you get something out into the marketplace now. Otherwise, here's what's going to happen. You wait until you get the perfect thing and someone else is going to take your idea and they're going to get it to the market before you and you're going to be frustrated and disappointed that you lost that opportunity.
0: Take it to a ministry context. If you really sense that you want to reach out and help a particular group of people or minister in a particular community and you talk about that with your friends for a period of time, if you say, okay, let's do something, plan it out and a month from now we're going to do it, you'll have people that will want to come along and the Lord can use that to also stimulate them. If it's something that you talk about for a couple years, at some point people doubt anything will ever happen.
1: They get fatigue. There's a certain vision fatigue. There's a certain idea fatigue. There's a certain we're going to do this, but we don't do this fatigue. There's this fatigue around how long it takes you to get something done. People don't follow people who talk about things. They follow people who actually do things.
0: Even in, in the marriage context, if there are some areas that maybe you guys are tired of talking about and it just always seems like you're trying to find a solution but you don't Dave Ramsey's The Debt Snowball comes to my mind. The reason why that's so effective in helping couples get out of debt is because you decide you're going to lock into that and you are going to be aggressive and you're going to put a laser focus on getting that first bill paid all of a sudden it builds that momentum because you did something you didn't wait so long just talking about it. I think in that model, you pay the smallest bill first, because that builds momentum. So you can see that principle really apply it in many areas of your life. Let's move on to another one of their principles, which this one kind of helps all of those that are getting really nervous that you're just adding things to your plate. And where is this all going to really happen in the reality of your life? And that is to consider reasons to quit. So how does that work in this whole approach?
1: There are some people that they kind of have the mentality that we made this decision. And because we made this decision, we are committed to this decision and we cannot change this decision, even though circumstances have changed. The context has changed. Maybe even the marketplace has changed. Maybe the ministry has changed. All of a sudden, a new decision is a better decision than the old decision. You're willing to perhaps embrace a new decision, but you're not willing to quit something. There is a time to dismount the horse. Don't be afraid of failure. Sometimes it's not even failure. Don't be afraid of stopping something for the purpose of starting something. Don't be afraid. At times you just have to go, you know what? I did say that. At that point in time, I thought that was right. But from this perspective, I see things a little bit differently. I've got a little bit more wisdom on this. I'm not afraid to eat my words. You and I have been making college visits. I have said out loud countless times that I would never send my son or my daughter to Ole Miss. I just have certain biases being a Memphis Tiger fan against Ole Miss and Tennessee and different things like that. Here recently, we went and visited Ole Miss and Tennessee, so I might very well have to eat my words one day as a Memphis Tiger fan and send my son to a place that I have forever been a fan against, right? So sometimes you just got to eat your words.
0: And I also think in this example, it's important to understand there are seasons. So again, it's all in the way that your perspective, that might have been a good decision in a different season. I was talking to a gal last night who has kind of a side job that's been a terrific opportunity. It was something that kind of was handed to her and it was great for a season of time, but it's kind of now at the point where she's just going through the motion. She's not really passionate about it, but it just feels wrong to let go of it because She's just always done it. There are some times that we have to look at our lives and be willing to go, is this the best use of my time? Is this the best use of my energy? Is something good keeping me from what is best? And that allows you that freedom to then pursue those other things that are what God's best are for you.
1: That's a great way to say it. Is something good keeping me from what's best? So in that regard, don't be timid about your conclusions. Sometimes you will get quality results out of that work. But if you were to stop that and invest in this new initiative, you will get even greater results out of the new work. So don't throw good time after bad work.
0: In the business model, I think that's called sunk cost. So many times we're making a decision going, wow, we've already done that for so long. We've already been working on that project for so long. We can't bring ourselves to stop. Well, it's a sunk cost. It's already been spent. Don't make a decision based on something that's already been spent. You look right now and say, okay, what is the best decision right now? Chris, one of the other principles that you highlighted from the book Rework is don't write it down. That is something very contradictory to my personality. You guys make fun of me. I take notes everywhere I go. It doesn't matter where we are. I've got notes all over the college brochures that they were handing out to us. What really are they trying to get at in that whole idea of don't write it down?
1: The things that are really important to a person. The things that are really important to a team, the things that are really important to a company, they are going to be repeated so many times you cannot forget them. If they don't do that, they're not doing a good job of communicating their vision, communicating their values. There are certain things that take place in leadership that you need to make sure they're unforgettable. It is impossible for you to be a part of this organization and not represent these values because we have intentional repetition. It is no trouble for us to repeat ourselves by saying a perfect place for imperfect people. It is no trouble for us to repeat the vision that we exist to prove that love works. It is no trouble to repeat the fact that we believe compassion without compromise is the way that we need to interact with people. So there are things like that that you cannot forget that they will be in your memory. They will be reinforced and that we will just keep reminding people so that it becomes a part of their value system. It becomes a part of their DNA. It is a part of the culture. It shows you what's important and what's not important. So in that regard, sure, of course, initially a couple times, you're going to write it down. But you're going to be very confident that in just a little while, this is something that you're going to hear again and again and again. And you're not going to get tired of hearing it because you believe in it so much.
0: Do you apply that principle, the thing that's repeated over and over again, to defining the problem of this is the problem that I'm trying to solve or to the solution?
1: Actually, I think it's both. There are times that you have to repeat the problem in order for people to understand the problem, to feel the problem, not just understand, move from just the intellect to actually feeling the pain of the problem. If you don't define the problem in such a way that people care about it, then they don't care about your vision because your vision is a solution to the problem. Yeah, you've got to stir up some emotion around the problem that is also Unforgettable. But then you have to present a solution to the problem that inspires people. Inspiration is an experience, inspiration generates emotion. Inspiration is not an intellectual check mark along the way
0: big surprise here. I'm the more analytical, probably the less emotional of the two of us. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. So there's a part of me that might step back and go inspiration. Like, what's all the hype? Honestly, when we think about making a difference, even in the context of of high point, if we want to prove that love works, if we really are going to have an impact on this city, people are not going to be moved By just that fact, when it connects to a person, when it connects to a story, when they see something specific that touches the heart that God gave them, then they are moved to act.
1: It is proven that an effective story gets so many more results than a a bunch of statistics that we can give statistics about the problems in this city or any city in America. We can give statistics about third world countries. But when we will focus on a singular story instead of. A statistic that represents hundreds of thousands or even millions of people, that singular story will create compassion in us, and compassion always moves us to action.
0: Chris, we're coming to the final moments of this particular podcast. Is there any remaining particular principle that you feel like is going to be most helpful for our audience? If they're sitting here thinking, I maybe have just either been paralyzed by the analysis or maybe I've just allowed myself to be content, but I know that God has something more for me to accomplish. What would be the final words that you might give to our audience today?
1: I would say that it's essential for you to stand out. And in order to stand out, that's where you create super fans. But the way that you stand out is you out-teach your competition. Let me say that again. The way that you stand out is you out-teach your competition. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about as a leader teaching the people within your organization, you teach, and when you teach, you'll form a bond so strong that you don't get from just traditional marketing, okay? Slogans can only take you so far, but when you teach, you earn someone's loyalty, and that forms a connection with that person, and then they trust you more, and the more that they trust you, trust is a combination of character and competency. The more they trust you, the more they will follow you. But if you don't teach and take that position in their life as a leader where you you're also teaching them, you're inspiring them, you're a vision caster, then you're leaving that to someone else. And it is very, very, very difficult as the primary leader not to also be the primary vision caster. People will follow the person with the clearest voice. They will follow the person who casts the vision the best, regardless of position. And they're going to follow the person who embodies the vision the most. So you have to be believable as a leader. If they don't believe you can actually execute what you do, then they're not interested. And they're not going to follow. So that's why it's absolutely essential that the way that we stand out and the way that we create super fans is that there needs to be a component where you are always out teaching your competition. And through that, you create loyalty and you create trust and you create a following, which ultimately builds a culture.
0: I don't know that we've said it this way before, but really to make a difference, to make a difference in this world, it's going to take more than you. It is you moving people to follow you and to follow the vision that you are pursuing. And in our context, as we're talking about that, if we're trying to reach this city, it is important that you are able to, whether it's just your small group, whether it's just a few friends that you have that are beginning to help you with initiative, you're going to lead somebody if you're going to make a difference. Well, and
1: that's why in the context of the Love Works organization, we have three types of leaders. We have emerging leaders, established leaders, and executive level leaders. Success is not success without a successor. So, what we're trying to do through Love Works is we are trying to get the executive level leaders and the established leaders to pass the baton to the emerging leaders and to develop them so that they become a generation of people who prove that love works through their leadership. Because every problem can be solved by two things, leadership and love. And when we have leadership and love, we prove that love works. So it's absolutely essential in that respect that we are be intentional about developing the younger generation. Do not leave it to accident and do not leave it to just happenstance of the individual willpower of a couple of people. Let's be intentional to pass the baton to them and say we're going to develop difference makers that prove that love works.
0: Well, I hope that this has been a very helpful podcast for you. If you want more information and some of the things maybe have whet your appetite, would highly recommend the book Rework. Check that out. Also, we have a brand new website that will be launching in March, loveworksmemphis.org. You'll be able to find out information about the mentoring opportunities. The pilot program is going on right now and our upcoming leadership conference in August. So check that out if you want more information on High Point. Church, you can go to highpointmemphis.com. Follow Chris or myself. We both have blogs Chris Conley, spelled C O N L E E, dot net, or Karen Conley, K A R I N, Conley dot com. But whatever you do, please remember that love God plus love people equals love works.